0: Good morning. Are you well? Yeah. Are you well? You look good. I like that you're responsive, and it's a cold, I, what I like to call a crisp day. <laughs> just go ahead and say the word, crisp. Doesn't that just feel good? Well, I'm, I'm excited to share you know, um, God's word with you today, and I felt um, on my heart, and this is kind of a message that's been brewing for um since really 2012, and I, it's brand new, everything in it, and I haven't shared it, but uh, God's been working on my uh, heart in the issue specifically of uh, shame, and I feel like through God's word, um, I want to prove to you that wherever you come from or whatever has happened to you this week, that you are worthy of love and belonging. And I want to prove it to you in God's word. And it was funny, is I was um, driving uh, about two weeks ago home, and and I was kind of praying in the car, and and God kind of put that put that saying on my heart. And all of a sudden, I thought about like how I treat other people. And so what I did is while you know, while I was at uh, while I was in traffic, I pulled out my phone and I texted my brother Ian. And I was like, Ian, I just want you to know that. I respect you as a man and as a little brother. You are a valuable person. Sent that to Ian. <laughs> it wasn't 60 seconds later. I get a phone call from Ian, and and I answer. And if, I kid you not, this is what he says. Pressed, what's wrong? <laughs> so, you know, which is just kind of a, a clear idea is... People need to know that they're loved and that they belong. And, and uh, I'm so, so passionate about it. And uh, I just want to pray one more time. I know we've prayed so many times before we go into it. Just a prayer of belief and of what God's going to do. Uh, will you pray with me once more? Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather here under the name of Jesus. God, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, and we're believing today that maybe a sick person who walked in today would leave healed and restored. I'm believing today by the power of your Holy Spirit that someone that who walked in today full of anxiety and strife would leave full of peace. I'm believing today that someone walked in who's battling with identity and purpose would find who they are and find a full, abundant life by the power of Jesus. I believe it and declare it, and I'm excited for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone who believes it said, amen. Amen. So, um, I want to talk to you for a minute. Does um, anybody remember pre-adolescence? Okay, okay. By show of hands, <laughs> by show of hands, how many of you would say I? I can say that I enjoyed preadolescence. Okay. How many of you would say, um, I'm just kinda glad pre-adolescence is over with and I can get on with my life? Okay, and how many of you didn't raise your hand that obviously blocked it out and are still battling through it emotionally? Okay. When I was ten years old. I lived in the north Kansas City, Missouri. It was a lot more cold than it was crisp on this fall fall day. And what we were having what we call a in the church world, a fifth and sixth grade lock-in. What we would literally do is all the fifth and sixth graders in the church, we'd pay money to spend the night and be locked in the church building and to play games and pray all night. Uh, and uh, I know it sounds like hell, but I had a crush who was there, and her name was Sarah and Sarah was the like of my life (laughs) now this the entire month the entire week had built up to this uh, moment this lock-in to be able to spend time with Sarah I was in fifth grade she was in sixth and I'll never forget we're up in this um, upper room auditorium uh, where all the dozens of fifth and sixth graders had gathered as we're playing these organized games and uh, the fluorescent lights are on. It's all, everyone's sweaty and it smells and, and everyone's going crazy and music's going wild. And between games, it happened. Sarah began to Approach me. And, and as she's walking, um, my heart, my heart starts beating like passions pulsating through my veins. And, and she's walking and she's looking at me. And so she comes all the way up to me, comes all the way close to me. And, and, and this is what happened. I'll, I'll never forget this. She said, Hey, Preston. <laughs> and I literally had no idea what she said. So I was at a dilemma. Either, either I, can, I go with it, or I dare not risk be seeming incompetent and asking, what did you say? So in my innocence, I did a forced laugh. Um, and this is what a quick forced laugh looks like. <laughs> it's kind of an exhale laugh. So everyone, give me a quick forced laugh. So, the thing about a forced laugh is you're, you're exhaling myself through my nose, but instead of only her going, ha, and saying, da, 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 bra, bra, I exhale, and not only out comes a laugh, but out comes a on my left nostril a snot bubble. <laughs> Standing face to face with the like of my life. And her mouth opens like this. And I turn, and I walk away. (laughs) And this is how it happened. Hey, Preston. (laughs) (laughs) So I I realized in this moment, I, I had a tension to redeem myself. Fortunately, it was our team's our team's uh, turn on the game. and the game, there's these blo- it was a balloon scattered wall where we would literally get an arrow and throw it across the room and pop the balloon. Kids' Church, I lo- I'm a product of Kids' Church. I love it, but um, uh, <laughs> so. It so happened that it was at the very end. The tension was on, and it was my turn, of course. And I'm at the, the very back with this arrow, and there are balloons across, and I had to hit at least one. So with all my might and strength, I had to redeem myself with that snot bubble. I threw the arrow as hard as I could, and and, and the arrow goes across. And I, I have no coordination whatsoever. And to my surprise, and to my awe, and to my um, gratefulness, the arrow hit not one, but two balloons. Two balloons popped. And I remember this elation coming over my soul and I smile and my team literally jumps up and starts screaming and dancing and the and the guy doing the music turns up the music, and everyone begins dancing. And I'm thinking, I have redeemed myself. I have popped two balloons. I am the hero of the night. Hercules is here, and we're jumping and dancing. And my friend Steven, who is jumping, jumping in front of me, um, I'm jumping as well. And the back of his head, as I'm coming down, smashes into my nose. And in that moment, um, my face feels like I just, I just like inhaled sprite, and I, I, I stand back, put my hand to my nose, and I see blood and blood begins pouring all over, and all the girls begin screaming, "Ah!" And all of a sudden I realize my social, economic career, my status, my life is over. <laughs> and uh, I remember making an impulse decision to run out of the room with my nose all bloodied up and uh, just feeling totally ashamed and embarrassed. Um, My life ruined. And I I find a way to break outside. And outside, it's snowing. And I'm walking out in the snow with my bloody nose. And the poor volunteers are like, hey, come back. You're bloody nose. You got a bloody nose. And I'm like, I don't care. And Running and hiding and screaming, get away from me. And um, I find a way, actually, later to break back into the offices and Church offices. I was a pastor's kid. I figured it out and called my mom. Mom, come pick me up. And she came and took me away. And I had completely and totally isolated myself because I felt like a screw up, like a loser. And I ended up missing out on what was supposed to be a, a fun, uh, uh, incredible evening because I felt ashamed. And uh, I wonder who here today. May be missing out on the full life God has for you because of the way that you isolate yourself. I wonder who here today puts on a mask because if people saw who you really are, then you may not be worthy of love or belonging. Shame, friends, is not an issue to be trifled with, it's serious. Shame is one of the things that we can hide, but that's what makes it worse. Shame leads to isolation. What I want to share with you um, is, a, is a point, a quick idea that um, I believe can align the trajectory of your life whenever you feel shame. And just understanding and knowing this before they put it on, on the screen can give you a sense of peace and even quiet your adolescent emotions and bring logic to it when these times of isolation and shame comes. And here it is. God has a plan for your life, and it is called relationship. Relationship, which leads to love, belonging, and intimacy. And the enemy also has a plan for your life called isolation, which leads to shame, numbing, and emptiness. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and goes against all sound judgment, all wisdom. Isolation, friends, is a serious issue. I want to get into the scripture here in a minute, but I want to read to you a little bit more so you can understand the gravity and the weight of the danger of isolation. What happens when we isolate ourselves? We begin to numb ourselves with TV, alcohol, food, social media, and work. Did you know that work can be a form of isolation? We begin to push away those that love us the most. We wear busyness as a status symbol to seem important. We project being exhausted as a status symbol in order to be viewed as useful or hardworking. We work ourselves harder and set unattainable goals to find worth in ourselves. We become expert at seeing the flaws in others because if we look inward, we don't know what we might find. And in turn, isolation breeds a default perspective of anxiety, increases shame, breeds self-righteousness, and decreases vulnerability, leaving us helplessly alone and depressed. I want to share with you for a moment from God's word on what I believe one of the most beautiful passages when it comes to God's will for our life for relationship and also it, it, it and in a beautiful way reveals eh, the enemy's plan for your life for isolation. It's in Mark chapter 5. Um, go ahead and pull out your Bibles or Bible at Mark chapter 5 verse 1. We're going to look at um, a beautiful passage. Now I set up the story with Jesus who was preaching, and th- there were hundreds, thousands of people had literally swarmed around him. And uh, many of the Gospels, it tells the story that the l- people were pushing, pushing, and pushing, and fighting their way to get to Jesus, just to even catch a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus's popularity had skyrocketed. And Jesus, in a moment, in an instant, being surrounded by people and his ministry flourishing, Jesus says, let us go across the lake to the other side. And so him and his disciples jump in the boat, and the scripture says even people began to jump in boat, other boats and began to follow Jesus. Jesus, going across the Lake of Galilee, then runs into this storm. What was supposed to be maybe a two-and-a-half-hour journey turns into maybe a five-and-a-half hours of uncertainty and fear as Jesus and the disciples, many of you know the story, get through the storm, and they arrive at garrisons, and this is where we find our passage in Mark chapter five. And it says, they went across the lake to the region of garrisons, which is if you're, um, which is on the border right now of Israel and Syria, which would have been, a, it's a, a very hill-like country. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day, among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I like the way the Gospel Luke tells this story. In and, and that part, in the Gospel Luke, it says he would cut himself with stones, but the demons would drive him to places of isolation and solitude. Friends, the enemy's plan for your life is isolation. And here it says even the people tried to chain him up, and what I believe wasn 't just wasn 't just to have him in jail, but this man would break this man would hurt himself this man would cut himself this man was was into self mutilation this the the people would i believe were chaining him up not to protect him from from the people because he would leave and and run away but but to protect him from himself. But the man would break the chains and run away and isolate himself and find solitude in the tombs. Verse 6 And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And I can't imagine, I don't know what type of time of day it was, maybe it was the evening, but uh, this man comes running as the disciples and Jesus are just getting off the boat, and this is Jesus and the disciples' first interaction. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. You know, isolation will oftentimes distort your perspective. When, in fact, Jesus didn't want anything from him, Jesus, in fact, wanted something for him, which was love and belonging and relationship. Verse 8 says, for Jesus had said to him, come out of you, man, this you unpure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned, and two thousand pigs literally ran across into the lake and were drowned, and Jesus literally just wrecked their economy. So, the, so those tending the pigs off the, off reported this in the town and countryside what had happened. Now, so 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 Jesus Jesus sends demons into two thousand pigs, wrecks the economy. The shepherds get spooked and run away and tell the town. So Jesus sent demons into pigs so that's why I always pray before I eat because you never know when your bacon might have a demon just kidding that's not real but um that was a joke (laughs) now Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off, reported this to the town and countryside. And when the people went out to see what had happened, they came to Jesus and they saw the man. This is beautiful. This is, this is so beautiful. The man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And the gospel of Luke says they saw the man sitting there dressed and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Church, community, I believe the only place where we can find peace and belonging in our soul is at the feet of Jesus. The only thing that can undo our sin, our self-righteousness, is to fall once again, come out of isolation, into relationship at the feet of Jesus. I love it. And it goes on, to say, the men were afraid, and those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region, obviously, because he had been causing trouble. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, okay, before I read this. This is what I believe is to be the key to the entire passage. Um, this is an ex- this is an extraordinary picture of what I believe Jesus wants for us in the middle of our isolation, in the middle of our. Uh, in the middle of our self-righteousness. This man was cleansed, and I don't know, was it one hour, maybe two, maybe five minutes, maybe maybe Jesus spent the rest of the afternoon with him. What happens in this moment I think is so pivotal for us as a church, a congregation, and even a nation in a city. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus, obviously, because he had finally found the peace he had always been looking for. And Jesus did not let him. Jesus did not let the man who had been demon-possessed come with him. Well, I thought Jesus was the one who said, come and follow me. But this man is trying to come and follow Jesus, but Jesus is saying no. Jesus did not let him. And here's what Jesus says from the words of Christ himself. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, which is a a combination of 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I want to speak for the last couple minutes That we're here together using um, as this last idea, go home. From the words of Jesus himself to your soul that needs and requires an anchor, go home. In other words, Jesus is saying, man, I know your tendencies your tendencies are to isolate yourself from everything that is good and really coming with me right now on this missionary journey is a, is a kind of uh, going back to your tendency of isolation. I want you to go home to the people who know the real you, who know the messed up you. In other words, Jesus is saying, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is gleaner, greener where you water it. Go home. Church, what is home? Home, is home a a place, is home a facility, is home a building, or is home a community? Is home a, a house, or is home people? What is home? And here's how I define home from the words of Jesus. Home is my community, my city, and my church. Go home. God's greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, mind, will, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, sometimes it's hard to love your self-righteous boss and your bossy sister and the weird waiter. It's so much harder sometimes to love the people around us than it is to idealize what it's like on the other side sometimes I think it's easier to go the idea of to go into all the world and to go off to some far off land than it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Church, God's word, God's plan for your life is relationship. So go home. What's wrong with home? It's it's hard because people know the real you, and you know the real people. It's hard to minister to people who you perceive as self-righteous. It's hard to love on people who know the deep, dark intricacies of your soul. Church, God's message for you is this. Go home. The purpose that you've been looking for is here. It's in this city, and it's in this community. It's in this church. This is your home, your church, my church, my home. The people you come in contact with every day, the barista, the waiter, the person checking you out, those are the people that we are called to love. Those are the people that we are called to to invite into the kingdom and to invite into relationship. Go home. What I love is in this passage, Jesus He paints this picture, this elaborate picture, from leaving the crowds all the way to meeting this man. And I want to touch on that in a second. But first, I want to tell you a story. a couple nights ago my i uh, went over to my parents place up in Benbrook and, and we watched back to the future See, you've never seen back to the future i watched back to the future for the first time in my life two nights ago it was crazy it was amazing we were having a great time watching back to the future devin was laying on the on the couch with a migraine and and mom had just come in from from a busy day at her little shop. And Dad's sitting on the couch with his leg all propped up. And Ian is off who knows where, who knows what Ian does. And we're all sitting there, just spending time together as a family, watching Back to the Future. and, And I said, you know what? I'm excited to see the new Back to the Future. And my dad's like, yeah, me too. And my mom's like, new Back to the Future? There's not a new one. Not a new Back to the, I was like, yeah, there is. I'm pretty sure. Like, th- there's a new movie coming out. That's why we're watching these, so we can go see the new one. It came out on October 21st or something, right? Okay, okay, pause. Quick quick poll. Did anyone think that there was a new Back to the Future coming out beside me? Just me and my, me and my dad were arguing with my mom. Yes, there is a new Back to the Future. And she's like, no, there's not. And we're like, okay, Mom, you're right. Look it up. There's no new Back to the Future. But here's the thing. That's what home is about. Home is not a place where you have to agree. Home is a place where you just love. You can disagree about back to the future or about trends, but at the end of the day, that's not what unifies us. What unifies us is deep-rooted love church, I pray that we become a community that's not united by political views or by fashion sense or or by what we feel in the moment, because all those things are fleeting. But what unifies us is that we are all together broken and desperate and isolated if it wasn't for the grace and love of Jesus. Jesus empowers us to go home. As I close I want to elaborate on the story of how Jesus came to this man. I started with, you are worthy of love and belonging. And I want to prove it to you. You are. You're worthy of love and belonging. This man, Jesus, left the crowds who were pushing to see him. He spent an entire day traveling, if only to meet this one man, to get eyeball to eyeball with this sinning, broken, self-righteous man. And church, that man is me. That man is you. Without Jesus, without relationship, we are just self-righteous, sinful, and broken, and isolated and alone. But Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, you can find wholeness, you can find life, you can find the purpose you've been looking for. Would you stand with me? If you would, bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment of concentration. If you would uh, just focus internally. If you're here today and you say, I want to, this Jesus that you talk about, I've always felt him to be full of uh, uh, shame and condemnation, but this Jesus that shares this extraordinary love, I want to know him on an intimate, personal level. I'm tired of just knowing about Jesus, but I want to know Jesus for who he truly is. I want to find that peace and rest in my soul. If you want to say today, with confidence that I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life, and this day forward, I choose to go home (laughs) I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. Number one, God loves you so much. Number two, he ordained for you to be here today. Three, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, put your hand right up now. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Everyone together, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I choose today to sit at the feet of Jesus, I empty myself and I come to you. My self-righteousness, my sin, my shame, I leave at your feet, and I choose to live new today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, and everyone said, Amen. We're going to worship one more time. And if you would, just raise your hands as a sign of surrender. And we're going to sing to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and find rest in your soul. I believe God has it for you today. Come on.